You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Heavenly Father, tonight we declare that you are our strength, and Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us. We declare, Lord God, that all the thanks, all the glory, all the praise belongs to you. Lord, we are gathered not unto a man, we are gathered to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, you would correct us, you would inspire us, you would strengthen us. We give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Good evening, church. Uh, Help me welcome two or three people to church as you sit down today. Two or three, two or three. Um, Help me welcome to church. Um, God, God is faithful. Our Father, we thank you. Um, just continue tonight in our conversations about Jesus' letters uh, to the churches. And we have looked, I think, at four of them. And I think we've got three left, so we're almost there. All right. And one of the things I remember saying when we started this conversation was that I would pray that more than, you know, the Bible would say, he that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches and so the letters were to the churches in particular or the church in particular but to all of us but that even more than that that there are things which God is saying to you which he's not saying to me and vice versa that in this season um, our hearts will also uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit be able to capture what God is telling you now all right, because you are not just a statistic in the kingdom of God, right? You actually matter to God, all right? Um, and um, that is a big prayer for me. It's a big prayer for all of us. So we're going to look at Revelations chapter 3 and verse 1. Uh, this is a letter to the church in Sardis. Um, I'm going to read it out um, um, to us uh, from verse 1. So it says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard obey it and repent but if you do not wake up I will come like a thief and you would not know at what time I will come yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy he who overcomes will like them be dressed in white I will never blot out his name from the book of life But will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. All right, tonight, I mean, the custom has been the last couple of weeks. Um, I've had someone come um, and share from that passage of scripture, and I kind of come and finish up. Uh, Tonight, um, uh, Bridget is no stranger to us here. She's one of our past ministers at LifePoint. And if, you, if you're deceived by her size, you, you have to wait until she prays and preaches. Let's welcome Bridget as she comes to share tonight. 
Let's keep clapping. Pedro likes plenty of applause, so she doesn't she won't take small applause at all. Okay, hi everybody. The church in Sardis, uh, the letter made me sad a little bit because there was no commendation for them. And I was like, ah, you couldn't even find anything in it. But here I read the scripture and there were three things. Let me start from the first two things that was said about them. It said the have a they have a name can i see the scripture again sorry yes it says oh this version says you have a reputation of being alive kjb says you have a name as though you were alive or something like that i'm not quoting it verbatim but it says you have a reputation of being alive but you are dead you know that reputation speaks to their courage, their outlook of life, the way people perceive them. We remember uh, the story of Jesus and the Pharisees. You know, he would talk to them about how they were carrying themselves, but yet on the inside, you know, it was a different thing. And I started to, I started to think about this statement here you carry a reputation of being alive but you are dead inside that I it's it was very very heavy in my heart because I I would think about it I'm like do they even realize it do they even know that they are dead on the inside or is it pretentious there was a lot of questions on my heart but then I looked at some scriptures I remember looking at let me see I noted it here I'm so sorry I'm a little bit here and there second uh, Timothy chapter 3 verse 5 before verse 5 from chapter 1 it was already listing things that people were doing you know they were giving themselves over to lustful desires lasciviousness and all of that and then he says that having a form of Godliness, but denying the power thereof, and it was the writer that was warning that we shouldn't be like these people who would have a form of godliness, uh, and you know, on and on and on and on. I'm looking at different scriptures talking about putting up a form of godliness, and one thing I realize that sometimes we don't even know, we don't even know when we find ourselves in those places, like we maybe perceived as a spiritual, this one, that one, but personally is us and knows where our heart is. With God, obviously. God knows where our heart is. But let me move on to the other part of the scripture here, talking about being alive and being dead. It said something about uh, their works. Yes, that was the third thing that was mentioned that was profound. He said their works were not perfect in God's eyes. Uh, and it took me back to the scripture, James uh, chapter 2, verse 14. I don't know if we can quickly look at it. 
So James chapter 2 verse 14 says, What does it profit, my brethren, that a man say, He had faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? said, Even so faith, if he hath not works, is dead, being alone. So the chapter he had already described somebody that, you know, sent away, like, would you send your brother away without clothing and without... But what I'm trying to bring out from here is that he said, if you have faith and you have no works, then the faith is dead. So in the first place, a person that doesn't have work or that has dead work doesn't have faith. And I looked into what the faith here was talking about. It was actually talking about our belief in God. It wasn't the faith for, oh, I know I can't get this thing. No, no, it was actually talking about our belief in God, the faith of Jesus that we have. So that speaks to our life in uh, our life in Jesus. Are we one with Jesus? Are we abiding in Jesus? Jesus said, abide in me and I in you and the way you know. So it's... It speaks to being in that place where you know that I and Jesus are one. My heart is in Jesus. I am doing all that he wants me to do. And it's in being one with Jesus that we can actually truly do the right things, have the right actions. So I went back again to read the scripture and it made a lot of sense that, oh, he said your works are not perfect in the eyes of God because they weren't walking in the faith of Jesus. They probably had given themselves over to the norms, over to what the trend may have been in that time. But, you know, going forward, I started to think on what does spiritual deadness look like? Like, in our day-to-day, what does spiritual deadness look like? It doesn't, like, you can't really tell if, am I spiritually dead? those are the questions I was asking myself like ah okay let me you know and I started to see that spiritual deadness is actually living in carnality and living in carnality is when you're not living by the spirit of God and the spirit of God is his word so if you're not living by the word of God you may probably be a carnal Christian and it's just as simple as being submitted to what it is that the scripture says and you know, so many times we find ourselves in places where we have like things in our hearts, we have desires, we have things that we want to do, and we try to make the scriptures suit where we are or where we want to be. Or you know, yeah, no, he said this. I no, this is what he said. We just wanted to flow with what it is that we want, and that part was very was like that happens a lot in the day to day. You know, we we shouldn't be the Christians who aren't submitted to the Word of God. We shouldn't be the Christians who aren't uh, in faith with Jesus. So, from the admonition to the church in Sardis that says, uh, it said to repent and not let the things that are about to die, don't let them die. So, I just feel like speaking to us today, we should keep alive our faith in Jesus. We should keep alive all that we are in Christ.
Let's put our hands together and thank Biju for sharing tonight. Um, so I think I'll just pick up from then. So <laughs> it's interesting how that, um, and I think we said on Sunday, how that God is not pretentious about the church. Um, he doesn't... Um, sometimes when you see some parents, they look at their children and go, oh, my, my, child, my child is perfect, right? Uh, sometimes we look at our friends and we say, my friend is perfect. My sibling, my brother is perfect. He can do absolutely no wrong. And sometimes it comes from a place where we are, I, I don't think it's necessarily about love. It's really just about how we do not want to be associated with that which is not as good so sometimes you would tell the, the gentleman, okay, we caught your son uh, doing drugs. He says, no, we don't do drugs in my house. But so this is the thing. We saw, he says, not possible. Maybe he was doing experiments or something. Yeah, it's, um, it's very strange how sometimes we can be unwilling to accept um, truth. I remember a friend of mine saying to me that... Um, there was something that she does which her her mom or her father one of them is unwilling to accept but not accept as a conversation but just even accept as a fact of their life right but my question to us is what conversation exists between you and God and this is important because he makes very clear distinction he says I know your work so there's your reputation and honestly, I don't really worry about the reputation that you have. It's okay. It's fine. You can, you know. But I think there's a sense in which it almost seems like uh, when your reputation is very far away from reality, that you then spend a lot of time and energy trying to maintain the reputation. Right? Um... Um, and, you know, what tends to then happen is people who then live a double life, right? And I have been there before. Um, um, and we joke about it, but it's, it's, um, but it's the reality. of. It. But I feel that God is calling us to a place where he's not necessarily saying kill the reputation, Right? So don't just go around telling people, well, you know me, I lie a lot. I'm a liar. I don't want you to have any reputation that I'm a liar. In fact, I lie five times a day, minimum. I mean, I'm, me, I'm a thief. I'm just, so just, no, that's not what he's calling you to. Because he, he's not calling you to, uh, he calls you, the Bible says, as many as received him, accept Jesus Christ, receive the power to become sons of God. And so he's calling you to a place where there is more to you than reputation right um, so there will typically be a difference between what people know and who you are and however we need to be sure that we are spending more energy in fact we're spending our real time and energy focused not on managing perceptions but on building substance right um I remember a couple of months ago how I had that phrase in my head that a lot of the things we do in public is performance. 
Um, now, someone says, so should I not care what people say about me, what people think about me, what people know about me? That's not true. Because um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls us ambassadors, right? So we are meant to project the, and we are meant to communicate of the kingdom, right? And so it does matter what people think about you. In fact, when um, Paul writes to Timothy about the reputation of people who should lead in church, he says their reputation matters. The issue is not that you have a good reputation. The issue here is that there is a difference between your reputation and who you are. All right, help me ask the person next to you. Are there two of you? Are there, are there two of you? Are there two of you? Is there one of you that we know here in church, you know, that sings so beautifully uh, on Sundays? In fact, sometimes as the band is singing, you know the next song they should sing. So you start to hum it already, you know. Sometimes when the pastor is preaching, you know the scripture that fits this. You know where to do mm, the message. And you know, mm, preach it. You are, you are alive, yeah? But when you get home, as you're coming, people scatter. They text themselves, he has come back. <laughs> she has come. But, yeah, we laugh about it. But you get to work and then, you know, everybody's... Are there two, maybe some people, maybe there are three of you. There's you at work, you in church, and there's you in the club. Four sometimes for some people. <laughs> when you get to your hometown, you're somebody else. When you get to America, some of you, when you get to America, somebody else entirely. Even the name you use there is not the correct one. God will bring you, He will reconcile everything soon. Amen. <laughs> You'll be one person. <laughs> um, but an ambassador cannot afford to care more about what people in the host country think about him or her. They always constantly have to remember who sent them. Yeah. They have to. So sometimes you would find the guys who are the American ambassador. They would try to wear Nigerian clothes and try to, you know, look like us. Just feel comfortable. Learn our culture. But they will always remember that this is not home for them. Um, I find this letter, you know, it's 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 one of it's a bit of it. It's one of the more you know. It's it's tough because it says to them, "You leave. You think you leave. That's the name that you have." It says, "But you are dead." It says, "Be thou watchful, and establish the things which remain, which are ready to die." It says, and but this is the reason why I talk about death concerning you. He says, "We put the scripture off." He says, "For." I have found no works of the, I found none of your works perfected before, uh, before God. That's how my translation puts it. Okay, and so one of the things he's looking at when he says to the church in Sardis that you are alive or you are dead, he says it is the works that you are doing. All right, the things that you are doing. He says, I haven't found any of them perfect before God. Can they just put the scripture up and if, you know, they, they don't want to put it off and on, just leave it on. Right, thank you. It says, for I have not found your works perfect before God. And it says, so this is one of the reasons why, and I started asking myself, okay, God, look, you know, what am I, what are you expecting from Idris? 
what is God expecting from Samuel, November 2019, apart from fine pictures? What else is God expecting? What is he expecting from Emmanuel? What is he expecting from Shadi? So when God takes stock, what does he, in, your, in our report cards, what is he expecting from us? What is the proof of life? The proof of life. And, and this is interesting because, like I said, for us as a generation that has, that has been raised as we've taught about grace, we've somehow got into the place where we've become lazy in the kingdom, where we say, for by grace does everything. So because, you know, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, Ephesians 2.8. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. So we say, no works, drop everything. All right. But it then says in Ephesians 2.10, he says, you are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So works don't save you, but you are created to work. Let me tell the person next to you, you are created to work. You are created. If I hear me ask them, where are your works? Where are your works? Uh, you know, we say this thing, where, where's your workmanship? So that's, that's the, where's the proof of the God walking, living in you? Because some of you have been born again for 10 years. Some of you 20. Right? And it says, this is the proof of God living within you. And because people are running away from a judgmental, legalistic kind of gospel, it does not mean that God does not have expectations about us. Right? He does have expectations about us. Anyway, but I think that the letter to Sardis um, needs to be read alongside with John chapter 15. So I'm just going to read John 15 to us. Because I think there's so much here about how God measures life by fruitfulness. So John 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that it will be more fruitful. Right? He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. They're dead, right? And that is, that is, so when God measures this church in Sardis, he's talking about fruitfulness, guys. And so one of the things we'll pray about tonight is, Lord, make me fruitful. Lord, in this Lagos 2019, slowly becoming 2020, right? Lord, make me fruitful. And I don't know what fruit God is expecting of your life. I don't know if it's the number of followers you have on Twitter. I don't know. How many likes you have on Instagram. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know if it's your bank account. Because I am not the one who said, you didn't stand. I'm not your, I'm not God. I don't, I can suggest, you know, 
but I don't know. Is it the house you want to buy? Is it this girl you have been chasing for three years now with all your income, prayers, and emotions? What is it? In fact, but scripture says, what will it profit a man if he gains the world? What is God looking for from our lives? Because he says to those guys, he says, look, you have a reputation that you are great. You are doing well. He says, but you are dead. And he says, the reason I say you are dead is not even because you do not know how to speak in tongues. He says, but the fruit that I have appointed to see from you, I can't find it. So John 15 here says two things when it comes to fruitfulness in our Christian walk. Number one, if you remain in me. Simple. Let me ask the person, are you in God? Are you, are you remaining in God? Are you, because remain means that you are there. But you know how that, you know, Romans 12 says we are living sacrifices. All right? It means that sacrifices that can move. Some of us, we give God our life and then we say, hey, just hang on a minute. Let me go and check X, Y, and Z. And then we head out and then we say, where's the sacrifice? The sacrifice has gone out. <laughs> sacrifice is in motion, right? And then when they need to pour fire, there's, no, there's nothing there. The sacrifice is heading out. I know you guys are not used to sacrifices here. Yeah, but, the <laughs> hey, God, what is the fruit that you desire of me in this season? If you remain in me and I in you, it says you will bear much fruit. In fact, in one place, he says, look, um, in verse 7, if you remain in me, and he explains what it means for, for an I in you. He says, and my words remain in you. The Christian life was never meant to be lived far away from Scripture. I am, I am genuinely concerned about Christians who do not open their Bible. I am genuine. I can't understand it. Because Jesus says, this is how fruit comes. You stay in me. How do you stay in him? There is worship. There's time spent in the presence of God. How do you stay in him? What is the body of Christ, the church? It is your constant, your continued association with the church. And the church is not all nice. There are people like me and Felicia and Samuel who will annoy you once in a while. We are here. Because we are also work in progress. So when we bring the part of us that has not been progressed yet, it annoys you. Don't worry. It's fine. But that you remain, and even that sometimes, because sometimes if you came here and we're all smiling, how will you know you have patience? You will know. You think you're all right. But when we give you Christian stress, uh -huh. as you're driving home from church, you're like, how? And I thought I was in the church. How? How? Uh -huh. Your fruit of the Spirit will come out. But you remain, not the one you say, ah, they offended me. How can P.I. kind of shade it through at me? For what? Because he knows me. Never. I'm not coming back to church. Ah, no. You remain. So how can he do it? He's a brother in church. Then he asked me out and broke my heart. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> you remain in him. Because the church is the body of Christ. I am worried about Christians who are far from the body of Christ. Who go and get their friends, three of them, and they say, we're in fellowship. You're not in fellowship. 
I'm worried about Christians who can boldly tell you which parts of the body of Christ are, are not Christians. The ones who are schooled by the Holy Spirit and told. I'm just saying to us, Jesus tells us how to be fruitful. That you will, rem you will remain in me. You would stay vitally connected to the body. It says, and my words remain in you. Ha. It's a strong one. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone. What happens when you don't eat food? You don't just, you lose weight. Sometimes it's fashionable. But after you lose weight, you then lose energy. And after you lose energy, you lose life. And then you start to drift. Then you start to see angels and white things. Then you move. <laughs> it says, but man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so when you can find a Christian who comfortably exists without interaction with Scripture, the Scripture, you find a Christian that is first losing weight, losing weight. So people think, ah, oh, you have to, this guy is looking trim. It's not trim. It's losing and then, so when we looked at the church, the Reformation on Sunday, one of the things, I don't know if I said it, but up until that stage, the guys who could read scripture needed to read, be able to, I think it was Latin or something. And if you didn't know how to interpret Latin, you couldn't read scripture. And so one of the things that happens when Martin Luther, who we spoke about on Sunday, when they begin to interpret, translate scripture into German, into English, one of the things that happens is that people can feed for themselves. Imagine the novelty that some guy who all his Christian work had never been able to read scripture, suddenly he can take a Bible, open Ephesians, open and read it for himself. Imagine how joyful their hearts would have been because they could feed more. And imagine if they had told them that come a couple of hundred years there will be these guys walking around the city of Lagos, Nigeria with phones that had 25 different versions of the Bible or more just at the click of a button they didn't even have to turn the page no, no more sweating just tap, tap, amplified, compare five and that those same guys will read one verse of scripture a week let me tell the person next to you, tell them I'm genuinely concerned about you. I, I tell them I want you to leave. I want you to leave. I, if I let me tap them, ask them, are you alive? Are you alive? Are you, are you alive? And this has nothing to do with your week. It has nothing to do with your muscles, your biceps, or your beards that have nicely trimmed. Nothing to do with that. No wonder he says, I, there's a reputation, we, what we can see on the outside. So we can see someone, we can see your nice, this dreads, or I don't know what we call this thing that you're now influencing other people. I won't mention their names here. <laughs> we can, we can, some of you, we can see your suits. We can see, some of you can smell your perfume. It's so nice. We always want to sit next to you. We can see your phone. We can see signs on the, we can see your reputation. But are you giving yourself a chance to be alive? Are you reading scripture? How, because, it is amazing how the brand of Christianity that exists, you will read books, you will listen to podcasts, you would listen to new songs. Father has not even released the song, you know the song. Yeah. But my point is, this is your life. So, it's, so the Christians who have then found snacks, 
My snacks are good. I like snacks. We found, we found a way to give us. There's something called a, a Christian high. There's a Christian high. Yes, there's a, yes, there's a Christian high. There is. It gives you that buzz. So if, if you, when you leave church on a Sunday, sometimes you have that high. You feel it. Just enough so that you're, you're still, you can still feel the move in your heart. But are you growing? So John 15, Jesus says, this is how Christians live and bear fruit. And so when he says to the church in Sardis, guys, you have a reputation. He says, you're going through the motions. He says, but death, there is death here. And it's a departure from the word. So God measures life by fruit. Are you going to get your Bible, Samuel? <laughs> You're going to read your Bible. Okay. God measures life by fruit. Unfinished, uncompleted assignments. What is God's, what is the church's, God's greatest work in the earth? It's in people. And so he's saying to the church, there are guys within our local assembly. Sad is there are people. He says, I have not found your works perfect before me. He says, I've seen people who have come, they've gotten saved, but he says, nothing is changing yet. I haven't found people who have become disciples. It's almost like uncompleted buildings. Abandoned projects. All right. And I, I just I sense an encouragement from God tonight. Someone he says, You got saved a couple of years. There was work going on. We laid a foundation. So Paul says, as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. He says, Let them take care how they build upon it. He says, because there are different types of, of materials with which people build. He says, I, 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 would, I laid the foundation. Someone else will build. And God says, we laid the foundation. We did it great. I don't know who it is, but far back as 2006, 26, God did some stuff. You could see the work. But I don't know where that work all stopped. I don't know where it stopped. In Ephesians 2, I think verse 20, it says, we have been built up into a spiritual house. It says, we have been built up upon, I think, the foundations of the apostles and the prophet. What is God building in your life? For some of you, he's building a skyscraper. And he's God. He knows what he's building. And you, you perceive what he's building. What is God building in your life? Sometimes, for some of us, and I think I'm drifting, but I'll come back to the message quickly. But some of us, we begin to look at what he's building in the life of another person. I say, my God, see the kind of windows you put here. And then so we stop the work. And then we try to put those. But that's not the house God wants to build for you. That's not who he's called you to be. As I was, God, I really moved far, but I'll come back. I was listening, because I'm really far from the message now, but I'll come back. I was listening to, I wasn't listening to it like that. I was somewhere and we were singing that song, tennis song about I want to be a billionaire. And this guy's like, my God, my pastor, how does this enter Revelation's message? But just relax, I'm telling you. And for some reason, you know how when you hear a song and then I was playing tennis and that's what I could hear. I couldn't even hear the songs we sang in church anymore. I just heard I want to be a billionaire, I want to be a billionaire. Billionaire. And I was like, God, I really do not want to be a billionaire. Yep. And, and I was seriously speaking, I, billionaire is very far. Trust me, 
in the in are you guys okay? You are surprised. Trust me. Hundred million dollars, I'm fine. I don't need billion. But even that, this is where the thinking of my heart was. <laughs> God, you need a billion for a hundred million. You're fine. I retire, I leave this country, go somewhere else. <laughs> I'll leave you. Of course, I'll, I'll join you by video call every day. <laughs> the pastor has to be honest, right? Okay, I won't leave you like that. I'll come once, once in a month. <laughs> but this is where it was. I just realized, I don't want to be a billionaire. Why, why, why are you putting that pressure on my life? If it's not what God called me to be, I don't want to be a billionaire. I, if it's okay. If you guys are all billionaires, why do I need to be a billionaire? We're all fine. <laughs> We're all fine. I mean, if, all, if 10 of you are billionaires, no, come on. I don't need to be a billionaire. But I realized that, because I began to realize, maybe that's not what God is building in my life. Maybe it's a couple of millions. But whatever it is, I'm, I know that I'll be fine. I'll be able to afford the things I need to afford, that he will take care of my business. I know that. I know that I don't need, that is not my calling. And if he says tomorrow, you're going to be a billionaire, who am I to argue? I'll not be arguing with God. No, I'll take this. <laughs> but I just realized that all of us wake up in the morning. I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a billionaire. You sing it slowly. Some of you sing it as watch, but I want to be a billionaire. And I just realized that that might not be the house that God is building for you. Yep. And I, I, this is it, it is, it is, it drives to the very core. Because someone, the stress in your life today is because you believe that you will not be successful except you have a type of house, a type of car, and an amount in the bank. And that thing destroys people. My father is not a billionaire, and he's very happy and successful. Some of you have more money than my father has, and you are sad. <sighs> he says, you have a reputation that you are alive, but that you are dead. There is work that the word of God must do in the life of a Christian. Ephesians chapter 5, I think you read 26, 27. This is how God, Jesus relates to the church. There's something called the washing of water by the word. If that is absent in the life of a believer, they are born again, but it is there's no fruit coming out of it. Yep. So Jesus says, look guys, we need to raise disciples. He says your life needs to be so close to the word of God. He says you need to remain in me and I need to remain in you. <laughs> On Sunday I said how that we're all like roads under construction and the, the truth is that sometimes the construction work starts from different places. And it's okay for you to look at somebody else's life and say, ah, look at this one. There's no, no drainage on this road. But if you look at what God is doing in your life, it's not, there's still work to be done. Let me look at the person next to you. Tell them you need to take the word seriously. You need to take the word. Tell them for the sake of our destiny, you need to take the word seriously. Yeah. How much do I need to read? I don't know. But I, I think it was sometime, a couple of months ago, I just realized this whole thing, because you know, sometimes you say, you know, the Christians need to read the whole Bible. And, you know, we used to, like, don't put pressure on people. Why can't you say you should read the whole Bible? I just realized, <laughs> you need to read the whole Bible, though. I'm serious. Because it's, it's like, um, 
you know, if you were studying for chemistry and then you might say, oh no, I don't want to pressure myself. I just read one or two chapters. In fact, maybe not chapters, paragraphs, verses, just one or two. And you just read the definition. <laughs> when you go to the exam, you know you were not prepared. Some of you have studied masters, you've done, some of you have doctorate degrees. You read volumes of literature that are bigger than your Bible to pass an exam that a man set. God measures life by fruit. It says, remember therefore how thou hast received and didn't he. And he calls them to repentance. It says, if therefore thou wilt, doesn't watch. So I'm reading an interesting translation. I'm going to try and read this. My, okay, yeah. It says, um, <clears throat> remember therefore what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. We spoke about repentance last week. It says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. There is something about living far from fruitfulness. There are things that God will do on the earth that then surprise you. Raleigh was saying something when she was leading prayers earlier. And she was talking about how she prays that, Lord, whatever you are doing on the earth, do not do it without me. I think that's such a powerful prayer. But how we are children of God. And I know you say I work for, I'm a software engineer, I'm in this. But your father's business is your, is your primary business. That thing you're doing in whatever place you work is so that you can do the work of your father. But he says here to the guys, he says there's a way you are leaving and relating with me that the work I'm doing on the earth is like a surprise. I come like a thief. When we were young and they would talk about the rapture, sometimes they would say that thing about, oh, you know, he would just come like a thief in the night. You know, and you won't, just, won't even know. But when you read, I think it is um, 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, from verse 4 to 6, it says, but you brethren are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. It says you are sons of light and sons of the day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4. Uh, to six, it says, We are not of the night nor of darkness. That there is a way you relate to God and you are not surprised by what He's doing on the earth. I believe that, I believe that the generation of Christians who, uh, who the, where the rapture will happen, I believe that there will be something different about their worship the week before the rapture happens. Because there will be a sensing that something is shifting. I believe that the years before, the months before, you would, you would, you would see amazing things happen in the church. Yep. There will be in a worship meeting, and the drummer would just go. He would just he would just start drumming and jumping. Because he can perceive in the spirit. The worship leader will just go. I mean, he will just start. People will. It will be because there's. This, there's a perception. They're not, we're not, he will not come to us like a thief. And it's so interesting that for a number of us, there's what God is doing in our life at the moment. He, it is like a thief is working because we have no clue. It's true. <laughs> I don't want to branch again, but for someone, God has been pushing your wife towards you. It's like a, you have no clue. 
you're looking for, <laughs> let me not even, let me just, it's a revelations message. There's no way it's no sense. But I'm serious. God, but someone has been showing you what he wants you to do with your life. You, you are so pulled away by other things. The Bible says in John 1, it says Jesus came to his own and his own did not recognize him. That God will turn our hearts to a place where we know what our Father is doing. Repentance is difficult for the hardened heart. In Hebrews, he says, to encourage yourselves as long as it is today, Hebrews 3, I think, he says, so that your heart is not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What makes our hearts hard? When it is separated from the word of God. I cannot emphasize this enough. The word of God is not, the, is not just the basics of our faith. It is the life of our faith. The Christian life was never meant to be lived far away from scripture. In fact, scripture was, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. There is healing that happens as we hear God's word and as we let God's word live through us. It says, yet, verse 4, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. So, so, so Pedro, he did commend them a bit here. They tried. He said, normally for the, for the other churches, he tells them, this one, I think he was a bit worried. So he just went straight. But in here, he says, well, some of your guys are doing okay. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. So I put in my notes where a white garment church <laughs> it's here you know when they say where white when they say here say, he goes to say <laughs> let me know if we say one I'll put me in trouble but <laughs> I was about to say something I hear more people say, ah, me, I, I met a new girl oh nice nice so she say, say, what church does she go in white garment <laughs> so are you sure <laughs> but um, it's interesting that when he speaks about the church he uses figurative language, as in here, to speak about how he looks at us. And I think this is one of the last things I'll say tonight, is that um, there are things which, the, the only word I can use is a stain. Yeah. yeah. But he says, look, there are people who not... It is, there's a righteousness that has been given unto us in Christ Jesus and we've, the Bible says it calls it the harvest of righteousness okay. so I think in 2 Corinthians 9 it says that the harvest of your righteousness will overflow that God will bring us to the place where there is nothing in our life that is an intentional offense Sometimes when we talk about our faith, I, I believe we talk about our faith pretending that evil does not exist. Evil exists. It's real. That there are people who are in strict, intentional rebellion against God and who seek to hurt other people, who seek to cause chaos on the earth and who are happy when they do it. But God says, look, that's not who you are. So sometimes we think it's old-fashioned when people talk about, you know, 
are your garments white and all that but it's not it's, it is how ah, okay. it, is, it is proof of God's love for you in you and walking through you I mean have you seen a guy who's then I'm sorry to use this example has fallen in love with a lady who's then really like taking care of him and when I say taking care of him I don't mean sex that's not taking care of him that's destroying him yeah I said it but take just loving him. She wakes up in the morning, she sent him scripture. Once in a while, she gives him a peck, a hug, stops there. Sends him encouragement, buys him. <laughs> I don't know what's happening there, but it's all right. Just, just focus, guys. I don't just focus, it's revelations, focus, guys. <laughs> Josh, don't distract my message, okay? <laughs> um, you know, and you know, she sent maybe once in a while. Not, not as a rule, because I don't understand that thing. She sends him, she gives him food. After a while, he begins to look different. You notice that there's something about him. Again, guys, no sex. So this is not sex. Okay? And likewise for a guy who, you know, sends her flowers. There's a smile. There's, there's more confidence. When he's talking among his peers, once in a while, he say, look, don't talk, don't talk. I'm, I'm engaged. You know? Tell the other guys who are not engaged. It's quiet. There's a confidence. There is something that God's love does for us. There is something, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I say this because we need to come to the place where while we are imperfect, yet the Bible says to be perfect as our Father is. Now we are confident enough in God to say, Lord, I am still making this type of mistake. And I know it doesn't, it doesn't give you joy. I know you're not happy. And I know that you, are, you love me. And so, Lord, let us walk together and break this thing. Let us walk together. I, you know, that gives God so much glory. It's not the one that you just resign and say, well, God, you know I've tried. And I know you love me and grace covers and mercy. You know, and you're, looking, you're planning forgiveness in advance. That I will sin and that you will forgive me. That, that, that's not even lazy. But that you are minded about the fruit coming out of your life. And that when you look from year to year, you can see growth in the spirit. You can see growth in your love work. Someone said to me yesterday, that, oh, someone in my office, her sister comes to life point. And they said, that normally her parents are not keen on her. I don't know if you're here, just it's a good testament, don't worry. Her parents are not keen on her uh, going to another church apart from them, but they don't mind because they've seen some, some work in her life. That They used to call her in her house, little witch. <laughs> I'm telling you. It says, but they've removed the little. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a true story that someone told me. But I was like, hey, God is working. They removed the W and everything else. And this, you know, but my point is, he speaks to this church and, you know, he then, you know, he says, look, um, he who overcomes will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot his name from the book of life. This is where it's from. But will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So tonight as we pray, um, big prayer for me is, Lord, 
let me be more fruitful than people even think I am. Yeah, that's, that's important. Let me be more Christian than people even think that I am. I know you guys think I'm P.I., but, but let when, when, when God thinks of me, let him say, you guys don't even know P.I. You don't know Idris. In fact, in Matthew 6 or Matthew 7, he begins to say, uh, look, he who, your father who sees the things you do in secret will reward you openly. That there are things that are transactions between a Christian and God that are not public. Not, our faith is not all public. That there are prayers that you would pray that only God hears. There are, there are things you would do in love. When you forgive, sometimes it's only God that knows. But someone would find new appetite for the word of God. New respect, new honor for the word of God. So when we say, I'm a foodie, right, we say it with pride. Are you trying to drown my message? <laughs> no, it's good, it's okay. I know my time is up, it's all right. I'm a foodie, I'm a foodie. Who, who is bold enough to say, I'm a Bible person. I love the Bible. I read the Bible. And not because you want to impress someone, but because that is your life. Who is ready to develop six packs in the spirit? Right. Let's pray. It's like, is this not, not like super sobering, is it? Because I'm not the one that wrote this letter. This time. I just read it out. <laughs> but I, tonight, I, I, I feel that God is calling names. Philip, Jimmy, Shade, Samuel, Ronnie, he's calling names. He's calling names. And he's saying, can we set aside your reputation? What people say that they know you as, what you want us to know about. Can we set aside your Instagram page? Can we set aside your Twitter page? Can we even set aside your bank account for a minute? And he said, let's talk about life. So tonight, let's pray. Saying, Father, make me fruitful indeed. Make me fruitful indeed. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are branches. Lord, make me fruitful. And Jesus says, there are different types of branches. There are branches that bring forth little fruit. He says, there's a pruning they bring forth more. He says, some branches, because they do not remain in me, my word is not in them. He says, they, they are taken away. But Lord, let that not be my portion. Let me, and there's someone you know there's been emptiness in the inside. And you're saying, Lord, while people are trying to figure out what's happening around me, Lord, can you do walk inside of me tonight? Lord, we're praying tonight. So just praying that simple prayer. Lord, make me fruitful. Lord, make me fruitful. If someone like Paul could still be saying, it is not as if I have apprehended. It says, yet I press on to the mark of a higher calling in Christ Jesus. I, I think there is space in your life for a bit more. There is space in your life for a bit more. It's amazing how God, Jesus doesn't say to this church, you are finished, you are done. He says there is still an opportunity. There is still something that we can do. Lord, I want to please you before I please any man on the earth. Lord, I want to please you before I please society. Lord, I want to please you before I please my parents. I want to leave for you, Lord, what you are building in my life. May it not be hindered. May it not be stopped. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus let it flourish uh, Lord I give space in my heart I give space in my time in my shadow to your word Amen. Somebody needs to pray that. Somebody needs to pray that and say, Lord, I give space to your word. I give space to your word. I give space to scripture. Lord, speak to us. Lord, speak to us. Lord. Thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.